Against the better judgment of respectable gentlefolk everywhere, this is the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, England's only poet laureate of the piss pot. This podcast is not for children, the dull-witted and infirm, or the morally indignant. Arthur takes no responsibility, and never has, for damn near anything. This episode is sponsored by The Poorhouse, now featuring our state-of-the-art dangle chambers. Get that deadbeat off Handout Street, we'll give him fair lodging, and it won't cost him a shilling. Hello, welcome back to this, the fourth episode of the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. I am so delighted that you're joining me again, and I hope you're enjoying this series. I also want to remind you that if you want any late-breaking new information about the upcoming off-Broadway run of my show, go to arthurgreenleafholmes.com. Greenleaf is one word, that's my middle name. And there you'll find all of the new developments. You can also go to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as well. As it stands right now, we had hoped to open up in June, but now the most likely time period looks like around November of 2021. So fingers crossed. This will happen, we just don't know when yet, but it looks like November is a good candidate. Today's episode, I want to talk about the Juvenalia poems. Now, what are Juvenalia poems? Well, as the root word might suggest, they are the earliest known works of an artist, and usually before that artist has entered adulthood, uh, around 21 years old or so. I say 21 because the Ludi Juvenalius were games started by Nero in honor of the day upon his 21st birthday when he first shaved his beard. So he decided to have a great tournament in honor of that auspicious day. Yes. Now, not every poet simply bursts out with immaculate work from the get-go. And I have uh, uh, an inkling that many poets, if not most poets, are rather embarrassed by their earliest attempts. And yet, by virtue of their own fame, these incipient works are laid right out for everyone to absorb, for better or for worse. One might wish instead to be a bit more like good old Walter Whitman, who waited until he was, I think, 36 before publishing his first works. Nevertheless, many juvenilia poems reveal a burgeoning talent and an insightfulness that belies the creator's tender age. Uh, let's take a look at a few of these poems. Um, Alfred Lord Tennyson, when he was quite young, I believe 10 years old, when he wrote, Heavily hangs the broad sunflower over its grave in the earth so chilly. Heavily hangs the hollyhock. Heavily hangs the tiger lily. It's not bad for someone so young. The use of the H sounds and that the heaviness of all of the flowers. You can feel them drooping down towards their own... Uh, eventual graves. Here's a poem called A Song. It's by an obscure poet named Digby Mackworth Dolbin, and I would like to thank Michael Birch for bringing this poet to my attention. He was from the mid-1800s, and he died at the age of 19. So, of course, that makes all of his poetry his uh, juvenilia. It also makes it all his later works. Listen to this one. The world is young today. Forget the gods are old, forget the years of gold, when all the months were May. A little flower of love is ours, without a root, without the end of fruit, yet take the scent thereof. There may be hope above, there may be rest beneath, 
we see them not, but death is palpable and love. That's nice. I like how he ends it with the triumph of love as the last word in that sentence. And so the whole poem is enwrapped between death and love. Uh, Christina Rossetti, one of my favorite poets, composed her first verse before she could even write, so it's said. It goes thusly. Cecilia never went to school without her gladiator. Let me tell you one thing. I wish I had a gladiator to accompany me to school when I was young. You know what I had coming with me to school? A big mouth. It didn't help. You know, my little daughter Annie, who is now seven years old, has written a poem, and I want to recite that. This is her juvenilia. It is called Hippo Dippo. Hippo Dippo. Hippo Dippo. Have a little nibble, but do not eat it all. And yet, he ate it all. It's the and yet that I like. And yet, he ate it all. Let's see what she brings to life in the next few years. Um, so I, I'm bringing this out because I'm one of those poets who is not at all proud of his own juvenilia. I have shared with you in the past podcast, um, Mother Will My Stones Drop, which is usually the poem that I introduce as my juvenilia when I'm doing my show. I have other juvenilia poems. I've got two of them right now. And I suppose that I would like to share them both with you right now. Hold on. I'm going to try and bring some music up for this first poem. Have you got some music for this? Uh, uh, yeah, we, we got something. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Today's episode is sponsored by Colonel Godfrey's Sideburn Wax. The flyaway sideburn betrays a slovenly attitude. Tame your frame with our super hold formula made from the finest ingredients on earth, including asbestos paste, talcum powder, camel oil, and essence of clam. Colonel Godfrey's Sideburn Wax. Keep your temples sacred. This is called Oh oh, Flower. Oh Flower. And I'm not especially proud of this poem because... Well, for, for many reasons, but I really never do this in my show. I shall be delivering this once again in the prepubescent voice. So let's have that music, and here is O Flower. O Flower, sweet flower, come flower bright and gay, flay me with thy pistol, adorn my face with spray. And come, Apollo, music muse, come play upon thy flute, I'll hammer on my organ if thou wouldst strum thy lute. I wish to be a naked cherub bounding amongst the reeds, my naked bottom beckoning the wind betwixt my knees. Well, that is O Flower, and yes, it's not a remarkable work of art by any stretch of the imagination. Let's go on to... Another of my juvenilia poems. This is the last one I shall do for this episode. I have a good friend named Christy Whittington, and she is a pediatric doctor. She often uh, has told me stories about when she was helping someone in public who had a medical emergency, and people just assume that she was a nurse. Are you a nurse, they say, because she's a woman. No, I'm a doctor. Anyway, Christy comes to my shows quite often when I'm performing at Scarborough Fair near Dallas. And over the years, she has afforded me certain anecdotes that have been attached to her work experience. 
And some of them I've even employed in some of my poetry. I've used them. I'll sometimes ask her for medical terminology. She once came up to me after a show and said, you know, the reason I watch your show is that you get to say things that you're thinking, and I can't do that at my job. And she gave me a, a couple stories. There was one incident in which a man brought his eight-year-old daughter, some young daughter, to her office for an examination, and the man wanted to get the daughter up on the table. Christy said, put your daughter up on the table, and the daughter wouldn't get up there. And the father said, I'll give you a dollar if you get up on the table. And Christy thought to herself, that is not how you keep your daughter off of the pole. But of course, she couldn't say such things. Well, Christy told me another story about uh, a woman who brought her 13-year-old boy into her office, and the woman was perplexed because the boy had these strange-looking abrasions upon his private parts. And Christy, upon examining the boy, determined what we all would suspect in that situation. Uh, these were friction sores, self-administered friction sores. The boy was of an age, the age of exploration, as I like to call it. Well, anyway, I wrote this poem based on her story. This is called To Love When One Is Ten and Four. I wish to give my truest love some token dear of heart, but tokens bear the curse of man, and soon this world depart. A pink carnation plucked I there, and pinned it to her gown, but time that mocking villain turned its earnest blush to brown. I drew her name into the strand beside the ocean's spray, but the sea uncurled its lawless lips and lapped her name away. Some verse I'll spill upon the page that time may ne'er unwrit, but father tore my pages out and wiped his ass with it. What gift may I that ever lasts, said she, thou suffering sod? There's naught but time may undermine, so turn thy thoughts to God. I gave myself a friction sore, bold reciprocity. If blackest night shall unrequite, I'll gift myself to me. A friction sore, a friction sore, this hand my soul conquistador, though I be aught but ten and four, a friction sore for me. Well, that will about wrap up the juvenilia poems for this series, and there will be uh, probably no more poems recited in the prepubescent voice. Let's move on to firm and self-assured manhood in the upcoming episodes. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, visit me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and also at my website, arthurgreenleafhomes.com. Thank you. This has been the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. Counselors are standing by for those of you in need of a good talk down. Please send all complaints to the Ministry of Abiding Indifference, whose address we haven't yet gotten around to. Follow Arthur on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and your local police blotter, and go to arthurgreenleafholmes.com to find out how you can be responsible for bringing this pervert to an off-Broadway theater. We'll see you next week. Toodles.
hosted on dimlywit.com.